This is Driven by Data, the podcast. Welcome to Driven by Data, the podcast, brought to you by Orbition Group and hosted by me, Kyle Winterbottom. Orbition Group is delighted to bring this podcast series, which boasts some of the most high-profile data, analytics, and AI thought leaders from across the globe. Each episode details the journey to the top of our industry's most respected leadership figures, while bringing unique insights drawn from first-hand experience on the industry's most trending topics, told in order to share knowledge, experiences, and ideas to inspire, innovate, and give back to the global data and analytics community. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Welcome to Driven by Data, the podcast. Today, I'm joined by Lisa Allen, who is the Head of Data and Analytical Services at Ordnance Survey. So Lisa, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. It's great to be here. Good. So before we kind of get into the meat of the topic, Lisa, um, I always ask our guests to, um, I guess, give their own account of themselves and the introduction because I will never do that uh, do that justice. So give us a bit of an introduction into your background and I guess journey to date, if you don't mind. Yeah, no, that's fine. So um, I suppose my career um, journey into data actually wasn't very conventional. So um, my first job actually was as an aquatic biologist. And um, I realised now actually that was all about data collection. Um, but it wasn't long before um, I changed path. And I was leading a team investigating environmental crime. And again, this is all about um, data sharing with the police and, and, and analytics and analysis. Um, and when I was in that team, I realised actually the quality wasn't what I expected. So I joined the head office data team because I thought I'd fix that. And that's when I really got hooked on the data profession. Um, so not, not the most conventional journey into that. But since then, I've worked um, really across many roles of data disciplines across government, um, including things like developing data strategies and frameworks, implementing data governance, and always challenging my team to make data fun and engage the organisations. So I think um, one of my proudest achievements really is when we did the work for the Secretary of State for DEFRA, who challenged us, uh, the DEFRA group, so that's the Department of the Environment, um, one of the government um, organisations, to release um, 8,000 data sets as open within one year. And I know for like the environment agencies perspective, they'd only released 93 up to that point <laughs> um, in their history. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So for, Li- for Liz Trust to set our 8,000, that was a real big challenge for us all. But actually, we worked across that group and um, released um, over 10,000 data sets as open in that time. And actually, that collaboration led to us being the UK becoming one of the highest ranking countries in the world for implementation and impact of open data. So. Uh-huh. Yeah, so that was that was really interesting. And then um, after I left that, actually, I went on to um, implementing the general data protection regulations. We've gone from open to, in some ways, closed. Yeah. Um, so th- th- that was an interesting nuance. Working, working across that um, the Department for the Environment group again to make sure that um, we were compliant with GDPR. So I think I've done many challenges over government and worked with many professionals, spoken to many um, data professionals. And so also, I'm also a member of um, committee member of Dharma UK, which is Data Management um, UK, which um, is an international um, group where you've got um, chapters all over the world, where there's a community of data professionals where actually we share best practice and work together because actually a lot of the issues that people face are really, really similar across the private and the public sector, yep. you know, you, you can normally talk to them and, and, and resolve those issues because we've all we've all seen it. So, yeah, so my journey now has been like the today leading um, uh, a team of location data experts. Um, it's been an interesting one from starting as an aquatic biologist. Yeah, absolutely. So that's uh, that's some journey and, um, you know, I, I guess uh, 
some some achievements as well there in terms of kind of what you've managed to to, to achieve during that time, which is which is great. Um, so I guess most people will be familiar with um, Ordnance Survey, but maybe for those of us that that, that are not, um, tell us a bit about them as as an organisation, and I guess a bit of insight into your role and where that sits, and you know what you're trying to achieve within that. Yeah. So um, yes, Ordnance Survey is more than 200 years old, which I think is absolutely um, fascinating. Mm. Um, and people probably know us more for traditionally from for the paper maps. But actually, we're so much more than that. So um, we create and maintain um, detailed location data for Great Britain. So um, that means that we manage a key national data asset. So I'll I'll give you a bit of a flavour of what that means. So it means we make 20,000 changes a day to a database containing over 500 million geographical features. So that's anything from buildings, roads, care homes. And we cover um, England, Scotland and Wales. So our data is used by about 5,000 government users. Um, as well as the private sector. Um, And we don't just work in the UK, we also work internationally too. So um, we provide consultancy to other countries. So we use our expertise we've built up in the UK to go and work with those other countries. Wow. Um, Yeah, I know, it's pretty fun. And we also have a a Geovation, which is our startup programme. So we help um, startup and businesses get off the ground using location data. And um, yeah, so it's, it, I think it's one of these things with all the surveys. Not many people probably know um, that you're using our data all the time. So you might not know it, but if you've um, called an ambulance, it's probably used our data to get to you. Um, if you've used the car navigation, depending on which one you use, you might have used our data. And if you bought a property, your one certainly used our data. Yeah. So our data is underpinning so many um, services in the UK. It's absolutely a fundamental asset to Great Britain. Well, no, that's, I mean... To be honest, I find that you get that with a lot of businesses, right? You never really understand the full extent of of what they do. But um, I certainly wasn't expecting that, to be honest with you. Um, so that was that was a great insight. Thanks for that. So I guess jumping into the topic then, um, and look, as as you'll be aware, there's there's so much talk these days about you know data strategy and aligning that to a business strategy and so on and so on and so forth and um, as with a lot of things within our industry there's always a lot of talk and um, maybe you know less so on the on the doing uh, more, more often than not but I guess trying to execute on the data strategy obviously has become a bit of a you know a bit of a a, a topic of, of yours right and uh saw a few of your articles that you've written and um you know been involved in the data iq that, that you've published on there and, and things like that so getting to the point of having a data strategy which has been formulated approved signed off it's it's kind of obviously a step in the right direction for anyone that's not got that but once you're at that point What's next? How do you go about understanding where to to start? Because I imagine that's probably the thing that a lot of businesses struggle with. Yeah, I think that I think they do. I think there's so much focus that on that data strategy, as you say, that I think um, people feel like the job is done once they've got the data strategy signed off. Yeah. And actually, the truth of that is, it's actually the start of the journey, not the end. Um. So I think, and it sounds it sounds really basic, but what you need is a plan. <laughs> so. Yeah, is, is, is what you really need is to set out um, the plan, what you need to achieve and by when. So it's it's critical, really, and what areas you're going to tackle first and what does success look like for you? Because um, any data work really needs to show real business benefit. And um, the problem with some of this work is that people are impatient. So you'll need to show some returns quite quickly uh, in the short term and in the long term to really show the benefits of doing this. So, yeah, in, in the real simplest terms, 
you need a plan. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And that's underpinned. I mean, the interesting part there, and I think my experience tells me that a lot of businesses kind of miss this point. It's not that they don't understand that there needs to be business value, but understanding the metrics of how they're going to measure if that's successful or not is something that a lot of, in my opinion, a lot of businesses kind of fail to, to consider when they're at the start of that journey. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think there's just so much focus on just delivering that strategy with the high level outcomes, because it does take a lot, actually, to get to that stage of having those outcomes. It takes a lot of engagement across the business and trying to convince people about the different world that the, the plan and putting in place is where really where that hard work starts. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So I guess trying to strip all of this back then and, and allow the audience to kind of understand step by step process of how you would go about that, how you've done that um, in your in your roles and previous roles. How, how do you go about kind of tackling that, you know, what is ultimately a mammoth challenge? Yeah, so I always look at it as in a um, data framework. So I always think about it as um, you have your obviously your, your business strategy at the top side of things. Then you've got your data strategy that feeds into that. And then your next level down then is um, what you'll need to look at. So it'll be you're looking at your data, your technology, your policies and processes and um, your people capability. So they're the areas that you're going to be looking at. So the first one to start really is the one that gives you the foundation of all of those is about your data principles. So you may have included your data principles in um, your strategy, but you, you might not have done. So if you haven't done your data principles, and um, then you need to um, set these out. And they're really setting out for the aims for your data. So if I take you through some of the ones we've done at uh, OS to give you a bit of an example of what we've developed. So, so first of all, like the, these principles are really about to ensure you're treating data as a valuable asset and, and making sure that you're giving your data the time and prioritization it needs. Um, so the data principles for Ordnance Survey, I mean, you might have you heard of the FAIR principles, the findable, accessible, interruptible and reusable. Yeah. Yep. So ours, ours linked in, in linking to those, but we needed more granularity to drop it down to make sure we've got that detail internally. So our data principles really help us manage our location data, but, uh, but also our corporate data. So they apply to all sides of the business. So, you know, your HR, your finance, it's all included in this. So making sure it runs right across the business. But they also help us mitigate the risks and maximise the opportunities because one of our ambitions is to make sure that we've got world-class um, data and we want people to trust, find and use our data. So if I just run you through our principles. Um, so our first principle is about our data meets our customer needs. So that means we work closely with our customers and we want them to um, we want to understand their use cases and how to help them tackle their problems. Because OS as a data provider means that we're providing data out to a lot of people. So I think for, for people who are not doing that, their customers, they'll think about internally and how they want to use that data. So we want to make sure that actually we're listening and acting on their feedback and um, developing innovative solutions for tomorrow. So um, we're not just stuck on today. We want to really be thinking for the future as well. Um, and I think, you know, COVID has been one of the examples where we've seen that actually, where this principle has come to the forefront and how we've seen how we've had to really change and push our data forwards. So that's 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 our first data principle, but it always starts with the customer or user. The next principle we have is um, that our data is cared for. So we want to make sure that data is treated as um, as though it's our own. Because I, I don't know, people almost always look after their own bank account, aren't they? They're all finances and things. Um, so if you treat data as your own and making sure you're really looking after it means you protect and nurture it. So we want to make, make sure it's recognised as a valuable asset. And um, again, it's about the time and resources and making sure it delivers the outcomes. 
So the value of data throughout COVID actually has shown again that, that that's been really important for us. Um, yeah, so, and, and, and the trust that people need in that data has been interesting as well. And I think it, that, again, that's, that's helped us link it into our data strategy of trust, find and use. Trust is coming out really, really strongly. We need to make sure we're shoring up on that principles. Yeah. Is out of interest, the, the cared for piece, is that to tie it all back to the to the quality in some way, shape or form so that they have trust in, in, in that data? Is that is that the overarching kind of point of that? Yeah, so overarching for all these principles, the overarching point actually is that you can trust, find and use. So um, okay. each of them will um, link into it. So and our cared for, for example, that will link into our information asset owners, making sure we've got policies in place for those and we've got right. people in place, we've got the data stewards. So it's a nice way of actually um, having that high level, but there's detail that goes beneath it. So then we've got we've got one that actually will cover the data quality aspect, but our, um, our data is secured and protected. So I think right now it's really important, isn't it, when we're thinking about um, protecting our data. So we want to make sure that, it, that it's not being exploited or damaged inadvertently with those with malicious intent. But at the same time, we actually want to balance the individual's rights and protections um, uh, with the range of measures focused against, you know, cyber, physical and personal threats. But at the same time, you, you know, we've got to balance that with the other principle, which we'll come to is about access. So okay. there's two, two sides of that coin. Um, and then we've got our data is governed and managed. So this is the one where we want to make sure that we've got data governance in place. So we're maximizing and efficiency and we're compliant so we want to make sure we're um, aligning our organization um, to meet those needs of legal regulatory or ethical requirements so yeah that's the balance here is making sure the need to control but the need to innovate so I think that's always quite mm. interesting because yeah. you don't want to put so much control on that you can't in innovate but you can't have the wild west either yeah no I think that and that's that's a really great point because there's you know, so many organizations now, I guess, you know, we've had, there's been so many cases where, you know, the whole ethical and, and security and um, those types of issues have come to the forefront. And I guess a lot of organizations are battling with, you know, trying to toe the line as much as possible from an innovation perspective, but without overstepping that line, um, but without feel like they're being held back by by the controls in place. So it's it's often an interesting topic in terms of how you get that that balance right. But I'm sure we can explore that uh, in a moment. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Actually, I was at the Open Data Summit yesterday, and that came up the the talk of privacy and that balance and unintended consequences. Mm. It's something I think um, people are giving away data without actually realising the consequences. And I think a lot of the, a lot of people in the data world are starting off by thinking that you know the reason for doing it was the right intention to start with. It just ended up in um, in a different way. I mean, it makes me reflect on my environmental crime days. I remember examples from the police force where they used to um, try to stop pickpockets in. Um, the tube stations they'd have um, pictures of police constables go and check your wallet and they'll have somebody um, so what tends to happen when people in the tube station would then check their wallet and then they'd touch where it was and then you'd have thieves with spotters who then go look it's the guy with the green jacket left hand side so there's some of these things even though you start off with the intention of good <laughs> you just need to think it through and it's just the same for data so it's quite yeah. an interesting it's quite an interesting parallel how my my world has um, reflected yeah. from the start <laughs> no, great example yeah um so next one about the data quality really is about our data is authoritative so there's lots of push at the moment about trust and um and we've got we hold some of the you know the gb's most trusted and authoritative geospatial data you know we really want it to represent the the best digital version of G, gb 
So I think that's that's fundamental. And that means we need to make sure we understand and have all those quality controls in there that we've got that best quality data. So we've got a few others. So um, data is easy to find at the moment. I mean, it's a big thing, isn't it? People can't find the data. Accessibility. Um, yeah. The, yes. the amount of conversations I have with, um, with, I guess, data leadership figures that run into that frustration um, a lot, you know, and it's a finding it and then b being able to get it <laughs> yep you've you've, you've quoted the next principle so, right. so sorry I'll, I'll be quiet <laughs> no no that's, that's exactly it isn't it so it just shows that actually this is really common isn't it yeah so that's a perfect example so we want to make sure that yeah data is easy to find but it's accessible so obviously we, we want to maximize the reach of our data for maximize um maximizing impact especially for you know growth social and public good um but again ensuring we're legally compliant and and within our commercial constraints Ordnance areas are government owned business, so we do need to make sure we're looking at those commercial constraints too. Yeah. And um, our last one for us um, is that our data is easy to maintain because actually we um, serve our data out to um, many people and we don't want them to have the hard work of using our data. It's got to be really easy to maintain for them to, to keep hold of. So that 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 we use that as the high level framework that then we can hang off the work from. So if organisations haven't got their data principles, then I think it'd be a really good thing for them to look at those sorts of things, those outcomes they want to achieve and how they want their data to be used in that way to support their business strategy. Yeah, yeah. So I guess just to kind of surmise there, so we're talking about having a framework for your data principles, which effectively covers the customer's needs, making sure it's cared for, security and protection elements, the governance and management elements, and the the compliancy uh, of that, I guess, Um, quality and trust, being able to find it, being able to access it, and then being able to maintain it. Yeah, that, exactly. That's fair. Okay. Yeah, Perfect. I think so. And I think organizations will tweak these depending on what their focus is on. So there's there's no if you look at the, there's so many data principles, there's absolutely tons. And you know, you get the ones from GDPR as well. And there's um so there's lots, there's lots out there. And I think it's not being hung up on um, having a perfect one I think it's it needs to be applicable to your organization your context yeah absolutely okay yeah makes sense fine yeah so each one of them then drops in um, into your policies and processes you need to put in place and then your people and um, your technology and then your data so do you want me to talk a bit more about how you then break that down that'd be perfect yeah so um, your policies and process for each one of those then um, you'll need to look at your policies and processes for example we've been reviewing against each of those principles what's the policies and processes that we've got in place so um, for example the secured and protected we found we had quite a few to say the least um, and we might look to consolidate those actually because we've got lots in that area um, others, we would need to put things in place, like for the easy to maintain, we're looking at our architecture um, policies and things to make sure that um, we're really considering how our data not only internally is used, but then how it goes out into um, the wider the wider eco- data ecosystem. Yeah. So, yeah, it's really looking at those and seeing what policies you've got for each of those. It can include things like retention and deletion as well. You know, all those sorts of things, all those basic hygiene factors get covered off in your policies. And anything you can do at that point to make it easy for people to comply, because we all know nobody's going to read your hundred whatever policy. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I was going to I was going to jump into that a little bit because I guess that's again from experience typically that you know th- there's so many businesses out there that they they have these frameworks they they've got these principles they've put all this into some kind of policy and process and then it doesn't get used, you know, or as you say, it's, it's not, no one's going to read your hundred page document, but so how, how do you go about 
getting that that buy-in is it a similar process as to you know how you get buy-in for the wider data initiative to start with how you know you're going to use it to, to benefit the business I think some of this is about actually making it easy for people to do the right thing. So sometimes I don't think you need to go for the buy. And I think if you can just make sure that the the technology is doing um, things to help you. I mean, I suppose it's like health and safety. They always talk about that people are your last line of defense. I mean, it's like they they put um, railings on the stairs so we don't you know wander off and fall off the stairs. And, and it's a bit like that with this. I think we need to make sure people are the last form of defense because if we put them first up, they're busy. And, and that's totally understandable. So I think it's mm-hmm. like if you can then embed it in your um, in your IT. So, for example, if you've got a retention and deletion policy and it's just making sure then that you're deleting your data after a certain amount of time, you don't need to say to people then go and delete the data because actually it's already in there. It's already in that mechanism. Um, it's the same for metadata. So people record metadata after they've created the data set rather than right at the front. Can we make sure we design the systems in that actually ask people to put that information in right at the front and then the machines collect it? So the machines are so much better at this than we are. We just need to tell them the right thing to do. Yep. So for me, it's all about doing stuff up front. Don't, don't leave it to the back end. So these, this, any of your policies and processes, look at them and see where technology can help you because actually that's got to be the first place you start with making sure you implement it because, because people are fallible. And if you rely on people, then, um, yeah, you're going to have more trouble. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that, and that makes perfect sense, right? The, the easier you can make it for for anyone, you know, with, I mean, with the greatest respect to all this stuff, it's kind of stuff that people don't necessarily get to see the the, the direct value from, you know, by, by clicking this button or make sure I'm entering that in that place at, the, at that time, you know, it's, it's kind of just something that they feel the often being forced to do so as you say if you can take away as much of that legwork as possible it makes it easier for them to do the right thing which makes perfect sense okay yeah yeah definitely the next one i suppose to talk about then is about the technology so it's about looking at those principles and seeing actually um uh, a is does technology make it easy to do the right thing and does your technology enable your strategy so is it that you can access all your data in the ways you need you know, do you need to do a big uh, platform, um, you know, replatforming? What, what is it? And and does it actually meet those needs? So your current systems may not comply actually with your policy you've written as well. So they may <laughs> need some changing or your data may not be as flexible as you need it to be. So this is really about working with your IT department to look at that technology roadmap and um, put in those requirements that you have into that technology roadmap and be clear about those outcomes and how it's going to help you deliver the data strategy, but ultimately your business strategy. Yeah, I mean, that makes perfect sense. I guess, quick question on that then, because obviously you spoke previously around doing things at the start, I I guess, to make sure that you're doing it, it right. Is that whole technology piece, does that need to be considered theoretically then before you start to write your policies because uh, i guess just thinking kind of out loud um you know if it's a case of these are these are the policies based on what we want to achieve and and and, and that's you know that's it it's, it's black and white that's absolutely fair enough but then if you get down the line and your technology is not fit for purpose then you may have to go and you know do a, a whole new tech transformation or you know buy new technology or whatever the case may be should that be kind of factored in before you theoretically write the policies um because i i guess it, it may cause some problems further down the line if the tech's not fit for purpose and maybe the budget's not there or been signed off to you know overhaul the tech um that might you know prevent this from being as effective as it, as it should be i guess yeah for me it's about collaboration 
So it's about talking to the IT department because some of these will be legal compliance. So um, that they're almost easier than legal compliance than than other ones, which are almost the things that that will save you money in the long run, but um, probably feel like they cost you money in the short term. But they're definitely savings. So um, I think it's about making sure that you know what policies you are that you have and you need, and then working with the IT department to look at the implications. And then I think it's about prioritization because some of these things might be nice to do. But you can wait for uh, because technology in that is always moving, isn't it? So you might just need to wait a few months to, for that project to get up and running, or you may be able to input your requirements of that. I don't think there's there isn't a silver bullet. I think it really depends on that requirement yeah. because with the data principles, they cover so many different aspects that um, some will be easier than others to do. Yeah. I mean, data standards is always the one that has um, it struggles. You know, as we standardize standardize our data is one of our principles, and that's one of the ones that. Sometimes that can be quite hard on people developing systems because actually you're saying I need it in this format and it's it's a hard standard, but then th- th- that can hold back the system development and they won't want that. But actually, if you don't do it at that point, you're going to have data quality issues in the future, or you're not going to be able to share your data as well. So um, I think yeah, it depends. It really depends on the the principle and how you're working through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Fine. So that's the technology piece, and then lastly is yeah. the data piece. Yeah, and people, don't forget people. people um, I'll come sorry, to people yeah. last, but they're not the last. Um, so data, yeah. So data, um, is it is it, for, is it is it structured in the right way? Does it meet your quality requirements? Do you have all you need? Are there alternative methods of collection like crowdsourcing? Um, or can you get more from your current data? So, you know, we're, we're looking at the, we capture aerial imagery. So can we use machine learning and AI to get more data from what we've already got rather than doing traditional methods? And they're all the sort of things you need. We need to consider about actually your um, your data strategy, and then what how your data needs to be different. And it also includes things like metadata. You know, have you got your data catalogs up to date? So the data about the data, um, yeah, all come into that data conversation. And so for us, that means that we have a data roadmap as well. And the last one is the people. So the people, obviously, they're key to your um, transformation. So. If we were asking people to um, um, look to the future and, you know, data science and really pushing some of these techniques and even actually some of the machine learning and AI looking at how you can do data governance better, um, then you need to ensure that actually they've got the skills and capability to do that. So it's about reviewing where you are today compared to the, uh, the training the skills you need for the future. What are those gaps? How do you identify them? Do you need to upskill? Do you need to recruit? And, and that's looking at it through your capability model. So that then it's thinking about what your organization will look like in the future and how you're going to fill those gaps. Okay. That's really interesting. And I mean, it's, I think it's going to be very valuable for, for the audience because, um, you know, every, everyone, every organization is, is on a different journey, right. Or a different part of, of, of that journey. And, um, there'll be some people that are about to go through this or are going through this that, that I think, you know, trying to lay it out in, black and white as to these are the things you should consider a be you know massively beneficial to those people i guess obvious question in, in my mind and um the prioritization piece like how, how do you know where to start with this and, and have you got any advice on you know how is best to tackle which part of that puzzle first 
Yeah, so um, first of all, I think you'll start with your virtual team. So it's looking at um, the people you'll need and understanding who, who you're going to work with. So I say virtual team because actually for us, we work across the business. So obviously working really closely with our technology because we sit in a propositions and innovation um, expert unit. We don't sit in technology and design. So we don't sit in that IT function. So for us, it's making sure we've got those close allegiance w- with those teams, but also the um, with the um, corporate structure and the governance so it's about understanding where different people sit within the organisation to um, get them all together in a virtual team. So the first one we did, though, is actually look at our data principles. So we set them all out and then we went down the um, technology, the data, the people and the policies and the processes. And then we just read, ambered and greened them. So we looked at them hmm. to see um, which the ones we thought um, were good today, which ones actually we thought we needed some work on. And what we also did from that was we looked at what would good look like. We had to be really clear about what would good look like. And that's how we read Amber and Green them, because actually we said, how far are we away? And we split it for us, actually, even to, to our geospatial data compared to our corporate data. So we can make sure we have that slightly different emphasis because Ordnance Survey is set up as a, a big machine on geospatial data. So sometimes the corporate data cannot get as much um, um, time and energy as the geospatial. So because our geospatial has just got a whole, you know, we're all behind that. And I think it's probably similar to a lot of other organisations. So we looked at those and split it out and then then we prioritise. So I think that's a really good way of, of doing it. A, being clear what you're trying to achieve and your outcomes and how it links back. You have to keep linking it back to your data strategy and your corporate strategy or business strategy and then um, looking at the prioritization based on where you are today because some things would be quick wins and I think they're so important because actually as I said at the beginning people are impatient and they want to see progress quickly but actually some of these things can take a long time to do so um, if you can show where you've got some quick wins to do today but actually where you've got your biggest risk or your biggest opportunities using that approach and then you can also use that to show progress over time as you, as, as you start to turn that grid green over time. Yeah, yeah, that, and that makes perfect sense because I guess, you know, on, on that traffic light system, there may be things that you identify as red, but, you know, the timescales of making that green could be months, if, if not years, right? So um, it's, it's about making sure that you're not just kind of constantly going under the radar trying to fix this thing without people seeing the impact it's having in the in the meantime I guess okay that makes perfect sense um in terms of challenges then having been through this yourself Lisa what have you kind of um you know stumbled upon as the the major challenges of actually executing on that strategy yeah, I think I think there's 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 a number of things really. I think it's um, I'm ensuring you've got senior level buy-in. These um, these um, programs of work are always easier when you've got that senior level buy-in right from the top. I mean, some of the places I've worked before where you know they've got the board interested or directors interested means that actually that momentum is there so I think that that's that's really really important and it's also asking the people from the top so seniors um, you know chief exec anybody to be an ambassador for the data because you really need um, that perspective at the board or at the executive table so without that you know depending where you sit in your organization you're, you're going to be trying to champion this um, but you're not giving the data the voice. So it's really about having that a voice at that executive table at the highest level, I think is one of the most important things to make sure that, that you do. Yeah. Um, some of the other challenge I think is actually, uh, and help you. So I always, I always take it in the positive way, actually, um, is about actually forming the coalition of the willing. 
in your organization, you have natural data advocates. They may not call themselves data stewards. They uh, may not realize they are data advocates, but actually they are passionate about data and they sit in different roles in the organization. I think finding those people um, is really key to making sure that you can get your momentum. So identifying this group because they're the ones that will be um, your early adopters and any of your proposed changes, they'll be able to either tell you that, that you're barking up the wrong tree or actually, yeah, it's a great idea and they'll spread the best practice. So you can really build that momentum with, with that coalition of the willing. So I think it's finding those people in the organisation. Yeah. Um, and I think having a team, so not people, I'm, I'm really lucky. I've got, I've got a data team, you know, um, we've, we've got a large team and we can, and I'm leading that, which is awesome, but not all organizations have this. So some people just have, um, you know, sole people. So that coalition again is really important and communicating your great work because this can be, this can be really hard with the, the challenge of momentum because it can take, it can take years to do this. So that keeping that momentum up and making sure you're communicating, I think is is so important for this. Um, yeah, I think that's that they're the main challenges. That definitely the momentum comes in there as um, okay. one that's difficult. Interesting. So we're talking about senior level buy-in, getting people, I guess, key stakeholders to be ambassadors for what you're trying to achieve. I guess identifying those data advocates and letting them spread the word and best practice um, amongst the business, and then obviously having that team to, to help with that workload and, and the communication to keep the momentum kind of moving. They're the, they're, they're the key things. I guess a couple of things to, to kind of touch on then there. In terms of the buy-in, because I guess if I think about a lot of conversations I have, um, you know, across array of different subjects, often from a board perspective, they're happy for you to go away and do the groundwork in terms of what this needs to look like. And then often some frustrations with a lot of data leaders is once they've got to that point, they go, right, this is now what we need to do to implement it. And they hit the brick wall, right? So, and I imagine that it's probably not too dissimilar. You know, the board might be very happy for you to go away and write a data strategy, but the change element of actually executing it, that's probably a different story. So I guess in terms of your experience, at what point do you engage with the board to get the buy-in from a, you know, to, to not just formulate the strategy, but to understand that, look, if I do this, here's what I need to, to, to go and execute on that. I think it's really early on that you do that engagement. And obviously each structure is differently. So we engage with our executive directors um, um, on this. And I think um, we're really lucky at Ordnance Serve actually because, we, because we're a data business. So I think we definitely have it easier. Um, but it's early doors engagement. I think if, if organisations uh, are not so lucky, then I think one of the ways they can tackle the, getting that engagement is through audit. So if you can do um, a risk audit, um, about how it's working today, because that tends to be the way you can really get a focus on on this piece of work. Yeah. So it tends to be that you'll get the engagement and the motivation to fix that problem because you know people respond to a crisis. So if you're not naturally getting it and you are concerned, then I think that's one of the methods you can use. So working with internal audit to do that audit of um, common practices today and what how it needs to change. Yeah. Okay. Now that makes um. That, I mean, that makes that makes perfect sense, right? Because I guess, um, as with a lot of conversations I have at that level, if there's, you know, the change element to implement something, as I said, that's that's a conversation in itself. But I guess from a board perspective, if they see a problem that needs fixing, you're probably more likely to to kind of kickstart some action from from that perspective, which um, which makes sense. But I guess you touched upon a really good point there in terms of 
you guys are a data business, right? That is your business is is data. So often, you know, I guess the the understanding and the buy-in probably comes a little bit more naturally as to why you're doing certain things than, I don't know, a retail business or, uh, you know, f- food business or whatever the case may be, which is um, which is interesting. Okay, so we, we've kind of looked at some of the, the challenges then and maybe areas of how to address those. In terms of timescales in of how, you know, how long it's realistically going to take you to kind of, you know, once you've got to the point of you've got the strategy and it's documented or whatever the case may be to actually then executing it. What, what, what kind of do, you know, what advice do you have on what's the realistic timescales and expectations around that? So I do, I think when you read all the literature on this, I think, and from experience, are you looking at probably three years as a minimum? which is, is quite a long time. Um, well, it makes sense why you need the quick wins then, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. No one's going to wait, are they? I'm going to yeah. be back in three years. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and it can take up to five years, I think. Um, so, yeah, I think it's that celebrating those successes as you go because it, it can take time to move this forward. Yeah. And, yeah, it's, 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 not, it's not for the faint-hearted. No, absolutely. Okay. So I guess we, we next question, and we've kind of touched upon this then, but I guess this um, – more of a from a wider business perspective because i guess again from the conversations that i have a lot of challenge irrespective of what they're trying to do whether it's related to data strategy or or, or not um anything that involves some kind of change and transformation is normally met with you know some um some barriers from a cultural perspective from from the wider business so um battling against that kind of change from a cultural perspective how, how have you found it best to, to kind of overcome and win that. And I appreciate with you being a data business, people might be more bought into to, to what needs to happen. But, you know, I guess from a bigger picture perspective, how, how would you kind of, you know, address that? Yeah, so I think for any job I've actually worked in my previous roles, um, I've always started with the outcomes your organisation wants to achieve. So it's about how how data can support that. I think um, people can, it depends on, if, if you're not from a data business, actually, some of the organisations can um, be turned off by data. So it's starting by the outcomes and actually how some of this work is going to help them. So it's about solving their problem. And it's the, the old adage, you know, what's in it for me? Um, so it's really coming from that perspective rather than um, a more of a theoretical data point of view. So, yeah, definitely starting with the organisational outcomes. What's in it for people? Um, and and then the opportunity. So I always love um, trying to get people to think outside the box and, and start um, thinking about how it can unlock opportunities. So starting to ask them, imagine the world different, showing them examples. So data storytelling for me is one of the absolutely fundamental things here for that. So, you know, can you can you set out, can you set, tell them stories that sets out a different future? Can you get people's imagination to envision that different future? And can you use examples of how the world is changing um, and how our business could adapt and deliver that? You know, what, what are the things? I think you have to be really careful, though, because some people will be like, nah, that doesn't really happen. So you, <laughs> you, you need to have solid examples um, and pull in from, you know, industries that are really good at this stuff and just go, they do that. Could we do that? It's just I think it's just that thought provoking. So that's one side of things. And if those don't work, then you can do the scare stories. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I love the, the tactics. It's either, you know, you, you try to you try to inspire and provoke. And if that doesn't work, then we're just going to scaremonger you into doing this. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously not about your own organisation because yeah. nobody comes to work to do a bad job. And yeah. I think that people can be really defensive about yeah, their own absolutely. job because 
So, so you don't want that. So what you want to make sure you do is you use case studies from other organisations that have been in the media. And there's lots of them. There's lots of, you know, um, things out there, either the bad data quality or data protection breaches, those sort of things. Yeah. So you can really, really use those sort of data stories to to um, help people. Um, yeah. Get on get on board with you. So they're the main things I would use. And, and the culture really make it easy. Just really understand that actually this is not a lot of people's top priority so if anything you can do to take away that pain before it even hits them that you've worked to make it easy and you've done all the stuff upstream then um it's the best way to do it perfect that makes sense um so trying to kind of round this off a little bit then lisa as, as we kind of head to, to close it out how do you know when you've finished and i guess that kind of sounds like a, a silly question, I guess, because um, with any plan, you know, there's normally a to-do list and you, you ch- tick things off as you go, right? But I guess the, the reason for the question is, you know, if we're talking about a three to five year strategy here that it takes you to to kind of implement and, and execute, I'm sure over that time, things will change, things might get added, taken away, updated, so on and so forth. So uh, how do you know that, you know, right, yeah, this is this is what we set out to do and we've done it yeah I think you're right I think the biggest thing that is the problem there is that things the things do change as you as you go along so I think it's making sure that you link back then to your data strategy and what were the things and the successes you set out that you wanted to achieve and looking at those and then you can use you can show the progress that you've made over time looking at your data principles against those various aspects to see the progress you've made and um, most of the point I think is when you've got it under control it's almost the point where everybody goes oh and sits back and I think that's probably how you know you've finished because actually it's just in the continuous improvement of the organisation. It doesn't have to be a thing. It's just an accepted process and the way you work. So you might want to sit there and go, yeah, um, we know we finished because we've delivered all these things. Da-da, we're done. But actually we all know that technology is changing, the needs for data is changing, the capability is changing. So it is going to move on. But I think it's just when you get to that um, state of equilibrium, I think yeah. is what you get to. But you do definitely need to go back to your data strategy, look at that and see how you achieved. Because you never know, your business strategy might have changed in that interim as well. So you might need to update your um, data strategy based on um, your organization's aspirations. Yeah. And in your opinion, is is that likely to happen? You know, let's say you're two years in and you, you've took a fair chunk out of that, you know, out of that strategy in terms of what you've executed. And then, you know, someone from the board comes to you or key stakeholder and says, you know, here's what we, here's what we want to do as a business. And it might be a bit of a, you know, a bit of a right turn, so to speak. And I guess at that point, how do you go about implementing this new change while staying on the same path, if that makes sense? Yeah. So for me, I've not seen um, uh, like absolute, like total reversal or left turn. What I've seen is more tweaks and more, you know, correct path correction. More than, more than anything, more focus on one aspect than another. So it's it's never been a total total U turn on on strategy. And that's not to say it doesn't happen for others, but it's not my experience that I've had for this. I mean, most of the time we've set out quite clear because we're reviewing and making sure we're always moving forward. I think that emphasis has been on um, delivering that 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 business strategy. So I suppose it really does link to 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 that. And if if the business strategy did drastically change, then you would have to do a total rethink. Mm, yeah. Absolutely. So I guess, providing it's not a complete U-turn, it's a case if you can kind of add things as you go and are constantly re-evaluating where you're at with everything and I guess going through that traffic light system to make sure that you're prioritising what needs to be prioritised. Yeah, definitely. It's that path correction, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, perfect. So look, 
really appreciate your time, Lisa. It's been um, it's been very insightful. I'm sure there'll be a lot of people take a lot away for this. So thank you very much for for joining us. Um, last couple of questions: If anyone out there would like to reach out to you, have got any questions about you know what they've heard today or are after kind of any advice or anything like that, um, are you open for people to to do that? Yeah, yeah, of course, sure. Yeah, perfect. What's the best way for people to kind of get hold of you? Yeah, so either through LinkedIn, which you'll find me on LinkedIn, or um, you're on Twitter, actually. I'm a big fan of Twitter, so you'll find me with, yeah, I am underscore am underscore Lisa Allen on there. Perfect. Not the easiest tag, but maybe we'll put it in the notes. <laughs> we'll put it in the notes. Yeah, perfect. Lisa, thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate your time and um, we'll speak to you very soon. Brilliant. Thank perfect. You. Thanks, Lisa. Bye. Bye. That's it for this episode of Driven by Data, the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back next week speaking with another thought leader from the world of data and analytics. Until then, please follow Orbition Group on social media if you've not already done so, where you'll be able to subscribe and therefore be made aware of the podcasts as they arrive. And please share, like, and leave reviews so that more people from our industry get to hear and benefit from these too. If you've got any questions or you want to suggest ideas for topics or potential guests, then please feel free to reach out to me. Thanks for listening and I'll be back next week.